Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. QAnon could potentially become more dangerous if Trump loses because these are people who have been convinced that Trump is going to solve all their problems. When that doesn't happen, I think they're going to go like, holy smokes, you know, maybe I have to take action myself. Welcome to Deconstructed. I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief for The Intercept, filling in this week for Medi. At the DNC, Democrats laid out the choice in the upcoming election as one between light and darkness. This week at the RNC, Republicans continued with that theme, promising renewed American greatness with the re-election of Donald Trump and warning of a nightmare of darkness if the country falls into the hands of Joe Biden. He is the destroyer of America's jobs, and if given the chance, he will be the destroyer of American greatness. Behind the carefully crafted scenes, though, a different story has been playing out among the Republican base. A growing number of Republican voters, and even some politicians, have gone completely nuts. They believe that Trump will basically arrest all of his foes, like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, and, you know, either ship them to Guantanamo Bay or just execute them outright. That's my first guest today, Daily Beast politics reporter Will Summer, who has been reporting for the last few years on the bizarre and increasingly popular conspiracy theory known as QAnon. After that, we'll check in with Intercept politics reporter Aida Chavez, who's noticed her own friends and acquaintances drifting toward Q in recent months. But first, we're going to go back in time a bit, because as it turns out, panics about satanic child abuse are not a new phenomenon in America. So today on the show, what is QAnon, where did it come from, and is it the future of the Republican Party? In the fall of 1909, one of the nation's most widely read magazines, Woman's World, delivered a shocking expose to more than two million doorsteps around the country. A few months later, a best-selling book called War on the White Slave Trade became a national phenomenon. It sparked a moral panic that would reshape the country. White parents around the country were warned that their girls were being snatched off the street and sold into sex slavery. The book, which was the collective work of Chicago clergy and prosecutors, warned that Ice cream parlors of the city and fruit stores combined, largely run by foreigners, are the places where scores of girls have taken their first step downward. The result, the authors said, was the blackest slavery that has ever stained the human race. The conspiracy was vast, and for the, quote, safety and purity of womanhood, federal laws were needed. The panic set off by that book had been building for a decade or more. In 1881, the YWCA in New York started offering typing classes to women. Pretty soon, there were at least 60,000 women working as typists. That number kept climbing. The typewriter and the income that came with it started to affect the role of women in economic and social life. As you can imagine, not everyone was thrilled with that development. For some, the simple sight of women walking alone in the city was a shocking affront. Women unaccompanied by men, going to dance halls and ice cream parlors was simply beyond the pale. 
And most shocking of all, some of these newly liberated white women were choosing to date black men. Trafficking exposés like the war on the white slave trade provided the public with the perfect outlet for their fear and rage. Whipped into a frenzy, they demanded that the government save the children, and the book's authors helped write and pass the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910. Better known today as the Mann Act, it banned the transportation of any girl or woman across state lines for any quote-unquote immoral purpose. To enforce the Mann Act, the federal government needed cops. Two years earlier, Teddy Roosevelt had deputized a few dozen former Secret Service officers as special agents of the Department of Justice. Those agents were assigned the task of enforcing the White Slave Traffic Act, and they decided to call themselves the Bureau of Investigation. Within two years, there were more than 300 special agents and as many support staff. Though no law ever officially authorized their existence, they're now known as the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Mann Act passed on June 25, 1910. Nine days later, on July 4th, Jack Johnson, the first black heavyweight champion, fought former champion James Jeffries, dubbed the Great White Hope. Johnson was a racial lightning rod, reviled by many whites for dating white women, the highest crime of the Jim Crow era, and for unapologetically flaunting the wealth his boxing had brought him. He showed no interest in knowing his place. Johnson knocked Jeffries out, and whites around the country rioted. The real purpose of the Mann Act became clear pretty quickly. Federal agents arrested Jack Johnson under the new law for crossing state lines with his white girlfriend, who would soon be his wife. He eventually fled to Europe, not returning until 1920, when he was forced to serve his prison term. The next wave of women's liberation came in the 1970s, and again it produced a panic, the so-called satanic panic of the 1980s, as Americans became convinced that satanic daycare centers were turning children into sex slaves. The message was clear, their mothers should have stayed at home. Then in 2016, with Hillary Clinton seemingly on her way to the White House, the panic surged back. This time, children were being trafficked not out of an ice cream parlor, but a pizza parlor, Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C., and the conspiracy involved people at the highest levels of government. When Trump took office, the theory went, he would expose and smash this conspiracy and save the children. 2018, the theory was given legs when the extremist anti-abortion group Operation Rescue claimed falsely it had damning new evidence about the evil deeds of Planned Parenthood. The next year, Jeffrey Epstein, at the center of a real-life elite child sex trafficking ring, was arrested and then died mysteriously. It was up to an anonymous government insider, or maybe a group of them, known as Q, to end this evil. It was his followers' job to help prepare the country for this Trump-led counter-revolution. The good guys with control over the NSA began the Q intelligence dissemination program to invoke an online grassroots movement that came to be called the Great Awakening. This is QAnon, a movement that is now electing members of Congress and threatening to infect the entire Republican Party. And it got its biggest boost yet when Trump was asked about it last week. Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. This week at the RNC, Republicans continued their dance, exploiting the energy of QAnon but never explicitly embracing it. Today, we're going to explore this phenomenon because, as history shows, conspiracy theories don't have to be true to change the world. 
My guest today is a politics reporter at The Daily Beast. Will Summer has spent the last few years doing a deep journalistic dive into the world of right-wing conspiracy theories, and he joins me now. Will Summer, thank you so much for joining Deconstructed. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to talk to you. Uh, your reporting that you've done on QAnon is endlessly fascinating. And I wanted to get from you your take on where does this come from? Sure. So QAnon really sort of draws on all sorts of sources um, that we have in, the, in our culture and really just going back decades or even centuries. There's anti-Semitic tropes. There's all these conspiracy theories, everything from the JFK assassination to 9-11 truth to... Uh, Pizzagate. So really, QAnon, I mean, the genius of it is it draws on so many things, and it really sort of offers something for everybody. So who is Q? Uh, yeah, so Q, this is sort of a big mystery about who Q is. We don't know if it's a person, if it's a man or a woman, if it's a bunch of people. We don't know if it's been the same group of people in control the whole time, or if it's basically we have no idea. I mean, QAnon believers think that it's someone in the Trump administration who's sort of offering them clues. That's obviously fake, but we don't really know who it is. For people who don't know kind of the, the driving idea behind Q, like what is their kind of central claim and mission? Sure. So QAnon is huge and there's a lot going on. But the way to sum it up is that the world has been controlled by a satanic cabal of pedophile cannibals, or as they call them, pedivores. I believe that there is a move to wipe the world clean of pedophiles, pedivores, Satan worshipers. These are prominent people in banking, in Hollywood, uh, in, in the Democratic Party. The criminals I'm referring to are famous politicians, actors, singers, CEOs, and celebrities. People who have earned our trust, respect, and admiration. And this cabal is sort of responsible for all the evil in the world, all the problems we have as societies. And that's how you get back to JFK assassination and all of that. Right. And so like JFK, the thing was he was about to take down the cabal. So they got him. Gotcha. Um, and so then every president since then has been what they call a slave president working for the cabal until Donald Trump. And so Trump comes in because they're telling the military is like, we got to get rid of this cabal. And so they hire, they basically recruit Trump to run for president to bring down these satanic pedophiles. Donald J. Trump, president of the United States of America, is not only taking on the restoration of our country, but the world in general. And so the big kind of moment QAnon believers are focused on is called the storm. And this is when they believe that the day they think Trump will basically arrest all of his foes, like Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, really just like thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people across the country. These people are going to face prosecution. They're going to face serious jail time, and some of them will face the death penalty. There is no other way forward. And why hasn't the storm happened yet? <laughs> um, I think it's because QAnon is fake. Um, <laughs> but 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 certainly, I mean, QAnon people tell themselves it's, it's you know it's like it's the dang deep state that is you know this is such a significant problem that it's just really hard to outroot or, or to uproot. And so you know they the QAnon believers see themselves as sort of these. Uh, these sort of ev evangelists who are telling the world about what's going to happen so that when the storm does happen, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, well, you know, they did say that about Tom Hanks and Oprah. And so the, the role of a believer here is not just to be an observer, but what exactly? Like, so they, they need to evangelize, they need to grow the movement so that the, the ground is prepped for Trump's counter-revolution. Is that right? 
Yeah, exactly. So the, the the telling, the idea behind why Q is putting out these clues is that the Q team, the the people in the Trump administration doing this whole thing, decided that um, you know, oh, if we just arrested everyone on inauguration day, twenty seventeen, there would have been this you know civil war because no one would get the deal, and so. Q is going to put out these signals, um, and then people who get into Q are part of this thing called the Great Awakening. And so they're going to try to win over their friends or family um, into, into this whole thing. And so we talked earlier in this show about the, the panic the, around the white, what they called white slavery back in the early part of the 20th century. I, I know you're a little bit familiar with that. Do you see any parallels between what happened then and what's going on now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a situation where a prosecutor in Chicago wrote this book about these kind of fantastical claims of, you know, these kind of slavery rings kidnapping people into sexual slavery across the country. And this was a big hit. And then it went to went on to inspire uh, some real life laws. So what role does Jeffrey Epstein play in, in QAnon? Epstein right now is kind of a major gateway to QAnon. Q and QAnon believers were talking about Epstein before his most recent arrest. But obviously, a lot of that information was already public. So you, you, that doesn't really mean Q was operating on, you know, inside info or something. But but since Epstein's arrest and, and his death, um, and obviously Ghislaine Maxwell's mm-hmm. arrest as well, those are kind of high profile, uh, you know, incidents of, you know, seemingly genuine sex trafficking rings, you know, potentially involving very elite, powerful people. Um, and so while that's not really what QAnon was about, uh, it, it's offered, it, it sort of served as a way to get that stuff in the headlines uh, and also to sort of be a, a, a low cost way for QAnon people to say, to let's say a average average person, they can say, well, don't you think this Epstein stuff was bad? And they say, you know, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely, you know, understandably. And then that sort of is how you get pulled in. How has Q gotten so big? You know, the main, mainstream media basically never touches QAnon. Even Fox News, I don't think, goes into them very much, but I'd correct me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, Jesse Waters has been a, a big QAnon proponent at times, actually. <laughs> how, how so? What's his, what's his line? How does he promote Q without sounding like a complete nut job? Yeah, so he says, like, you know, Q, you know, that you say what you want about them, but they've been right about a lot of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. And like the Epstein thing would be like one of the things they were right about? Is that is that where he's going with yeah, that? Yeah, it's, 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 so that gets attributed to to QAnon people a lot of the times, uh, the Epstein stuff, or uh, or or just kind of vaguely, you know, this sense that like you know uh, malevolent forces are at foot uh, are afoot in the world. What about the the social media platforms? You know how how did they handle them in the beginning, and how are they how are they handling them now? Or, it, you know, is there something in in the way that kind of Facebook brings people together that supercharged this? Yeah, I mean. It, I think social media has played a massive role here. And I think, unfortunately, the vast majority of the platforms have been really slow to act on this. The The way QAnon works is it's such an outlandish system of beliefs. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, Barack Obama drinking children's blood. Uh-huh. Um, so that, you know, I, I think in a pre-internet world, uh, you know, these people would have been confined to like maybe some zines, uh, some mailing lists. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the John Birch Society is sort of a, a precursor to this. But I think these people basically would have struggled to find validation for their beliefs because, you know, you might have one person in one town or one neighborhood who would believe this and they wouldn't be able to connect with people who would say, no, you're not crazy. It's the people who don't see this who are crazy. Um, But online, these people can all find each other and kind of spin off each other. Um, You know, often what happens is people will, QAnon believers become alienated from their families 
And then they're like, well, but that's okay, because QAnon's my new family, like me and all the detectives online. Um, so they're really able to sort of reinforce one another. So what is Save the Children? And, and is, is this a new advent, kind of a, a new strain of QAnon that we're seeing in the last weeks or months? Yeah, so the pandemic and it has kind of kicked off a new stage of QAnon. Um, we're seeing QAnon right now move beyond the classic QAnon type, which is sort of a boomer, white, uh, probably evangelical Christian, and Trump supporter. But the pandemic has really shot up interest in Q- QAnon more broadly. Uh, and in the latest iteration of this is save the Save the Children or the Save Our Children hashtags. And Save the Children is a legitimate anti-child trafficking organization. But its name has been hijacked by QAnon people who kind of gussy up their beliefs about, uh, you know, children being eaten uh, in this kind of vague, like, don't you think child abuse or child sexual abuse is bad? Which, you know, of course, everyone does. Um, And so they have these rallies. And and while it's kind of in this... Uh, this very surface level, like, you know, stop abusing kids stuff. Then you see someone with a sign that's like, John Podesta drinks blood or like Pizzagate stuff. And so this sort of serves, uh, especially on Facebook, as a gateway to get a lot of people into it. I think what we're seeing with Save the Children is that QAnon is moving beyond the older white Trump supporter demographic. Uh, These Save the Children marches in LA, for example, hundreds of people turn out, and these are often black or Latino people, young people, women, people in their teens or 20s. Uh, So I I think we're really seeing QAnon blow up with some new groups of people. And adding into that, QAnon is also getting really big on TikTok. So, uh, you know, I I think a lot of teens are getting into it as well. Hmm. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Can you talk a little bit about the, I don't know if you would call them lone wolf QAnon folks, but you, know, you wrote recently about Cindy Absuk, this you know, the Colorado woman who was planning to assault the foster care home where her son was living. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about her and what that plot from her signifies in terms of the kind of a, a next more violent phase of, of QAnon where people who haven't even heard of it are now potentially going to be on the receiving end of some of its violence. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most fascinating things to watch about QAnon since 2018 has been the ways that it spills over into violence. Um, Because sort of at its core, QAnon is telling people that these really like the most heinous things you could possibly imagine are happening and people are getting away with it. And so what do you do about that? So in the case of Cindy Absug, this is uh, this was a woman who, in Colorado, who had lost custody of her son. It's not quite clear why, um, but it seems like the state had a pretty strong case against her. And so her son was now in a foster home. 
And so she became convinced through QAnon and these various QAnon networks that not only did she not have custody of her son, uh, and that was bad enough, but she decides that uh, her son is basically being, you know, is being fed into the QAnon, the cabal sex trafficking ring and is going to be, you know, heinously abused. So she teams up with these QAnon believers. They send a guy with a with a gun and who claims to be this ex-sniper. And they're basically plotting. She gets a gun. They're plotting, essentially, allegedly, an armed assault on this foster home. And, you know, according to what Absug told her daughter, who eventually tipped off the police, um, she claims that they were like, yeah, you know, people are probably going to die. People are going to get hurt. But again, these are satanic pedophiles. So it's kind of like, who cares? And so she was really on the verge of this, allegedly. And then the cops moved in and she ended up fleeing and sort of entered this QAnon, uh, this network of QAnon fugitives where they kind of provide each other with material support. What's the reaction among the broader Q community to that is there a strain of it that says, listen, you know, don't take your eye off the ball. You know, we're, we're, we're waiting for the storm. Or is it more like what you described, that uh, this kind of violence is encouraged and actually given material support through, you know, helping her hide out afterwards? Yeah. So, I mean, there's all these different sort of factions in QAnon. Whenever a QAnon violent incident happens, typically they say, well, that's a false flag. You know, that's not us. We're a peaceful research movement is is one of their big lines. Mm -hmm. But consistently, I mean, there's kind of this disconnect between fantasizing about the the violent murder of your enemies, saying that, you know, Donald Trump would sanction it and that, you know, these people are, you know, demons, essentially, and then saying, well, but, you know, we just screw around online about it. We don't know one should do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I mean, the the images these people have that they're like demon hunters or crusaders. Um, And then, you know, these spill into obviously the Comet Ping Pong shooting was sort of Mm -hmm. an, an early antecedent of this. Um, someone tried to burn down Comet Ping Pong. You know, QAnon believers have allegedly one guy murdered his brother. Allegedly, um, another fellow killed the the head of a mafia family, uh, according to police, uh, and then kind of showed up in court with a Q on his palm. Mm. Um, you know, there have been plenty of of these incidents, and so, but, but sort of each time this happens, they say, it, you know, it's like either there's a false flag, but uh, you know, I kind of don't really mind that it happened. Essentially, so how many Q folks are successfully running for? Congress or for lower offices right now. I'm not not precisely, but how big is this getting at the electoral level? Sure. So in the primaries, there were a huge number of them. You know, Media Matters did some great work tracking this. Uh, at this point, so now most of the primaries are over. I believe there's a little more than a dozen QAnon-affiliated people uh, who have either made positive comments about QAnon, who have gone on QAnon YouTube shows, uh, all the way to, you know, QAnon is real, I love Q. Um, So there are a couple interesting cases. I think probably one of the biggest ones is uh, Joe Ray Perkins. Hi, my name is Joe Ray Perkins, candidate for the U.S. Senate in Oregon. Where we go one, we go all. I stand with President Trump. I stand with Q and the team. Thank you, Anons, and thank you, Patriots, and together we can save our republic. Obviously, she's not going to win that, but this is someone who is so into QAnon. Her campaign said, no, she's not in QAnon, and then she broke down crying Mm -hmm. and said, you know, Q is like Jesus to me. And then, you know, you have uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia, probably the most interesting case, because she just won a runoff in a really Republican district, which means that she will almost certainly win win a seat in Congress in November. And tell us about Marianne Mendoza, this activist from Arizona who was supposed to speak at the Republican National Convention. They ended up pulling her video after she tweeted out a, a QAnon meme. You know, tell us a little bit about the, the dance 
that the Republican Party is doing here with Q folks. They, they clearly don't want to be explicitly platforming and endorsing QAnon folks, but they don't seem to be very vocally distancing themselves either. No, I mean, it, 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 there is this game that the Republican Party and the Trump administration are playing. So basically since 2018, when Q people started showing up in force with Q signs and Q shirts at Trump rallies, seemingly, you know, according to on-the-ground reports, uh, either the Secret Service or campaign security told people to cut that out and was banning QAnon paraphernalia, there was kind of this attempt to not make it as public how much of the Trump base is really into QAnon. But then, you know, you see Trump retweets QAnon people all the time. He invited some to the White House social media summit. Uh, Dan Scavino posts these kind of wink-wink QAnon memes. And, and so to the normal person, the normal voter, this isn't meaningless to you because you don't know the, the code words. But then when you say to the Trump campaign, uh, geez, kind of weird, you're doing this, uh, they say, well, I don't know what you're talking about. So in this case, you know, Trump endorses Marjorie Taylor Greene. He says she's going to be a big Republican star. And so just over the past couple of weeks, I think QAnon has really, the administration's had to grapple with it more. I think the latest case we're seeing is that they say, well, I don't know about that even though obviously, you know, you could look it up pretty easily. In the case of Marianne Mendoza, this is this is one of the, these so-called angel moms whose, you know, child was killed in some sort of interaction with an undocumented immigrant. Um, and she's been a big Republican star, and she was set to speak. And then the morning of her speech, she tweeted this just, like, deranged anti-Semitic QAnon thread. She referred her fans to check it out about, like, the protocols of the elders of Zion and, like, Let's subjugate the goyim. So it was sort of just like a little too on the nose, I think, in terms of anti-Semitism. And what did you make of Trump's comments during the press conference about about Q? And also, what did the Q folks make of them? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Trump. So Trump's been asked about this a couple times. Uh, the first time he kind of brushed it off. I should say here to foreground it, QAnon people are obsessed with Trump being asked about QAnon because they think, they say, well, if it's so ridiculous, someone should just ask him about it. Um, and unfortunately, they've kind of gotten what they wanted out of it. I don't know really anything about it other than they do supposedly like me. And then someone says, well, I mean, these are people who think that, you know, you're at war with these, you know, a cabal of cannibal pedophiles. And he says... Is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. <laughs> and so for QAnon people, this was like, this was all they could ask for. Um, he, he all but affirmed it, you know, in the way they're looking at it. So, you know, I talked to this one big QAnon promoter. And he was just like, he was over the moon. He was, you know, QAnon lives to fight another day. You know, we're going to, this is going to help us win so many more people. What's been their posture toward you? Do they think that you're a pedophile cannibal too? Yeah, a lot of them do. Um, <laughs> the My interactions with QAnon people kind of run the gamut. Um, some of them are convinced that I'm secretly an agent for Q and that by writing all these articles about how dumb and ridiculous and dangerous QAnon is that I'm really kind of spreading the word. Um, you know, others have, I, I had this one guy call me and he was like, Will, like, I'm really concerned for you. You got to come clean. You got to, you know, come on board with the Q team before it's too late. Um, but then, but a good amount of them, you know, they, they found some quote unquote evidence that I've eaten pizza, comet ping pong. And now they, uh, they kind of use this and they're like, you know, they have kind of an image macro about me and they share it. It's like a meme. And so they're like, you know, they, they, they kind of use it like this ultimate Trump court card that I've eaten pizza before. So where do you think this is heading, if you had to guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a big kind of crux moment for QAnon is going to be what happens in November. 
either Trump wins and then I think the Q people will, you know, kind of be emboldened uh, or Trump loses. And, you know, I think we enter sort of a more uncertain territory. I think there are a lot of folks who are hoping that kind of the veil will lift from QAnon believers' eyes and that they'll kind of blink and be like, oh, what happened? Um, But I think in reality, uh, QAnon could potentially become more dangerous if Trump loses because these are people who have been convinced that Trump is going to solve all their problems, both personally and in this imagined world of cannibals. But when when that doesn't happen, I think they're going to go like, holy smokes, you know, maybe I have to take action myself. So one one last question. If you had to guess, who is Q? That is a great question. I mean, I, I think Q is probably just some random person that, you know, I, who is just a 4chan user um, who may be running a YouTube account or something that's making a little money off of QAnon. Um, I, I think it's really it, it, it's really unclear. I mean, I, I think it's someone who's probably grifting to some extent, but but it's not, uh, you know, going to be some big revelation, I think. And I think most importantly, I think even if we found out who Q is, QAnon has sort of built in mechanisms to move beyond that revelation. Um, you know, even if someone's came out and said, yeah, I just made all this stuff up uh, to get rich. Haha, dummies. Um, I think QAnon people have told themselves like, well, maybe Q isn't real, but what he told us was true or something. So they've kind of, they're ready to move past. It's kind of QAnon without Q is, uh, is ready to go. I lied. I do have actually one more question. Sure. If you, if you do have a, a family member or a loved one, you know, who's, who's deep into the, the Q phenomenon, what have you found that has worked that is able to kind of de-radicalize those people? Yeah, I mean, this is just a super, super hard question. Um, and it's one I, I get a lot from people who have really lost, you know, often o- older parents or, uh, or you know, their significant others to QAnon. A tip I got from David Nyward, who has a book coming out about um, basically how to deal with f- friends and family who get into conspiracy theories, is, you know, you want to – and. It, let's let's say you you have someone who gets into conspiracy theories. Obviously, you want to decide, you know, how important is this relationship to you? If it's someone you went to high school with on Facebook, who cares? But, you know, if it's it's a parent, for example, and if they're getting into it enough that it's really sort of interfering in their relationship or how they operate in the world, you know, you sort of want to basically keep the lines of communication open, try not to hit them directly with facts, as tempting and understandable as that may be. And then you try to kind of figure out what personal issues – it is that's driving this person towards conspiracy theories. You know, maybe it's a sort of a, a feeling of hopelessness, you know, in regards to their own personal situation, uh, you know, a sense that uh, the world is kind of getting out of control or something. And then you sort of try to pull them back from there and connect on a sort of personal, emotional level. Um, but, you know, that's really easier said than done. And, you know, I think there's really very few examples of this successfully working, unfortunately. Will Summer, Wild Stuff, check him out at The Daily Beast. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks for having me. That was Daily Beast politics reporter Will Summer. For a long time, the stereotype of the average Q fan was that they were all right-wing baby boomers. But recently, The Intercept's politics reporter Aida Chavez has started to notice a new phenomenon on her Facebook feed. Aida, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So you've noticed something interesting going on in your Facebook feed, basically. What, you know, what, what have you seen among people you've grown up with lately? Sure. So I grew up in a pretty conservative place, and so it's not unusual for me to be scrolling on Facebook and see 
posts about Trump or guns or other, you know, conservative issues, but I have noticed that starting a few weeks ago, I've just been seeing a lot of QAnon and Pizzagate posts and like hashtag save the children and hashtags about pedophiles. And (laughs) it's actually pretty jarring to see like such a big shift in people like you've known your entire life. Have you spoken to any of them? Yeah, recently I reached out uh, to this one girl who I've known since like, I don't know, maybe the fifth grade. That was her first time talking in like a few years actually. I was asking her about when she got into QAnon and Pizzagate stuff and I thought it was really telling. She said that she just started getting into it a couple weeks ago. And so despite being really conservative, she wasn't like an OG Pizzagate person. She just started getting into it recently. What was it that got her into it? It was actually her mom, which I thought was really interesting. Hmm. And she wasn't the only person who I spoke with who had been indoctrinated by their parents. I spoke with another girl, interestingly enough. They're both from law enforcement families, too. So they had been Hmm. hearing from their parents for some time about this QAnon stuff. And in one case, like, she thought the claims were outrageous. And she just started, like, consuming the content, like, reading the books, watching the YouTube documentaries. And that, like, sold her. The other girl was um, sold right away. Any of these uh, young women parents themselves? Yeah. One of the friends uh, who I interviewed, she is a stay-at-home mom to, I think, a two-year-old son. And so I think that is definitely another pattern that I found in doing interviews with my friends. I have a couple other friends who are young moms who, they're actually not conservative at all. They're quite left-leaning, pretty liberal people, but they got into it out of just like this deep fear of trafficking and like pedophilia and since they have a kid like their young moms like they're actually really scared and i've tried explaining how trafficking and uh, sex trafficking has been hijacked by uh, QAnon and this fringe far-right movement i guess it doesn't really make sense to them because uh, they're just like inundated with all this fear-mongering of trafficking and so they consider it like a very serious threat and, you know, who can who can argue with that? Because, it, you know, trafficking is something that's universally disgusting. Right. And to to pick up on that theme, there is a there there in the sense of the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. Did, did, did Epstein come up in your conversations with any of your friends? Yeah, absolutely. All of them. And I think that is also a danger for the friends I mentioned who are actually quite like left leaning. I think a problem is that with how Democrats didn't really handle the Epstein stuff. They kind of ceded that ground to the far right, I think. Well, this is fascinating. Please keep us updated. Uh, I don't know about you, but I like to tell myself that this whole Q thing is just a bunch of old Trump supporters and not something to worry about. But I'm not so sure anymore. It is definitely something to keep watching. Anyway, Aida, thanks so much for coming on the show and stay safe. Thanks. That's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. I'm Ryan Grimm. Metty will be back next week. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. 
Go to theintercept.com slash deconstructed to subscribe from your podcast platform of choice, iPhone, Android, whatever. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.